0: Welcome back, Queens. We have Heidi Strickler today. She is a registered sports dietitian, certified specialist in sports dietetics, and metabolic efficiency training specialist with a master's in sports nutrition from Liverpool, John Moore University in England. Although she's based in Seattle, Washington, she works virtually with athletes worldwide. Heidi specializes in endurance athletes, female athletes, plant-based athletes, reds, and amenorrhea. Heidi believes that
1: all foods fit and loves education empowering her clients to eat in a way that supports their physiology, training, and lifestyle, brings them joy, makes them feel confident and powerful, ultimately optimizes not only performance but overall health and well-being. Heidi brings her personal experience into her practice, including years spent as a high-level endurance athlete, as well as her own struggle with an eating disorder and amenorrhea in an athletic world where disordered eating behaviors and body types are normalized. Heidi continues to compete at high-level in trail racing and ultra-distance events. She also loves snow, shoe racing, cross-country skiing, road and mountain biking, and doing anything and everything in the mountains. <laughs> she does not go a day without a strong cup of coffee, and her favorite foods are peanut butter, dark chocolate, Spicy Mexican food, donuts, sushi, and smoothie bowls. Um, it's getting
0: mm-hmm. around lunchtime. It makes me hungry.
1: You have listed a number of my favorite things. <laughs> <laughs> um, Heidi, let's get started. What made you get into endurance sports in the first place?
2: Well, I grew up as an athlete. I started playing soccer when I was three years old, and I played a variety of other sports, but soccer was really my true passion through college. So I went to college on a soccer scholarship. And really actually had never done running at all, but I was always that teammate that loved fitness training and when we would have to do, you know, conditioning and soccer. And I was always really fit. I, I always kind of had an engine and started running kind of just a couple miles here and there. I think my senior year in high school when we were in the off season for soccer and then when I went to college you know, on our off day, I started running with some of the girls on the team and progressively kind of the miles got a bit longer and longer. And then I had a bit of a falling out with the soccer coach. And after my junior fall season and left the team and decided to go out for track and cross country. So I emailed the track and cross country coach and asked if I could walk on the team and kind of try out and walk on. And it was kind of love at first sight from there. And absolutely fell in love with track and then cross country and started getting into a lot more trail running with the cross country exposure and then after I left college just did my first ultra within a couple months and yeah then kind of have kind of dabbled from one endurance activity to another to another to another and anything that puts me out there for a lot of hours especially in the mountains is definitely definitely something that I yeah I like to pursue I like to see
0: what my body can do it's funny how many people end up in sports they love just by happenstance like accident like Mm -hmm. you know we were interviewing somebody today that wanted to continue to be competitive and end up trying out for a football team and made it but yet she'd never played before so i think it's just a great reminder of Stay curious. Try different things. Let your kids do all sorts of different activities. You just never know what's going to stick.
1: Yeah. Our adaptability over many sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Heidi, what have you been doing with like COVID going on and have you been able to, obviously we still have the outdoors, but how has that impacted a little bit of your kind of performance and getting out there?
2: Yeah, actually right around, I had COVID, Uh um, Yeah, I, right at the beginning of the lockdown, I had a stress fracture as well as COVID. And so between the two, I wasn't doing much. I had had a big racing season planned and then, you know, things locked down here in Seattle pretty early on. And so I just kind of transitioned all my ultra, ultra miles from trails to roads, Mm -hmm. which isn't great. (laughs) <laughs> for the body when you're not used to running running on roads and then but yeah I ended up with COVID in April and stress fracture in April and
1: Goodness.
2: it took us a while to di- diagnose and I also was I'm one of those people who is still I'm what they call a long hauler yeah but still have a lot yeah so this year has definitely been a year where I've really kind of re really like kind of taken a dive into my athlete identity mm-hmm. and just given my body a lot of grace and I mean I haven't moved this little since I was three years old. Mm-hmm. I can probably guarantee you. And so it's just been a lot of re Yeah, like rebuilding, reframing. I mean it's it's been hard. I'm not gonna say and yeah, it's I still like I'm so, you know, I broke my toe in December. So it's just kind of been one of those things, you know, one one thing after yeah, another I after do. another. But it, it's also been so, yeah, just so I think healing and just good to really kind of rebalance, rebalance my, yeah, my identity and my priorities. And, you know, last year I was kind of to a point where I was just really, all my eggs were in kind of my, my running basket. I was, I was really driven. I really wanted to have a really good racing season and, I kind of neglected a lot of other things in my life, you know, relationships and things like that. And so it's been, yeah, I just, it's, it's been, even though it's been hard, it's also been really, yeah, I think healing and I know I'm going to come back, you know, a stronger runner off the back end. Um, But it's definitely been a, a different kind of year than I had envisioned. If you would have asked me what my year looked like this time last year, I would never in a million years have kind of, Told you what actually happened.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I know a lot of athletes again are, you know, kind of in the same boat this year, and I hope you continue to, kind
0: of, recover from all the things. Thanks. I always tell my daughter, like nobody remembers the easy wins. Yeah, it's always yeah. the comebacks, mm-hmm. you know, it's the like the so. overtimes.
1: Well, let's talk <laughs> about kind of that identity too. Of were you a runner first, and then di- a dietitian, or vice versa?
2: They kind of happened simultaneously in a way. So I, I went to Seattle Pacific University and I went there, like I said, on a soccer scholarship, planning on being a physical therapist, ultimately. And mm-hmm. Seattle Pacific doesn't have a PT degree, but they do have a human biology degree. And so that was kind of my planned course of action. And through my freshman year, I kind of started thinking, well, you know, do I want to explore a different career path? I've been an athlete my whole life and I've also been a science nerd my whole life so you know I knew that I wanted to work in some type of job that allowed me to study the human body work with the human body and work with athletes and so I talked to my advisor and started kind of exploring other options and she brought up the idea of nutrition and you know growing up I didn't learn about nutrition. I didn't talk about, we wouldn't talk about nutrition. Like food was just not a topic. Like I was a great eater. I love food, but like, you know, the idea of nutrition on especially sports nutrition was just not talked about until I started playing soccer in college. And I had my first conversation with, you know, a trainer who gave us a preseason talk on nutrition around, you know, training and that kind of thing. And that was kind of my first introduction to this idea that nutrition could impact performance. And so my advisor brought up this idea of nutrition and I thought, you know, I'll, I'll explore it. And my first class was food science and I completely fell in love. I was totally sold and I ended up double majoring in dietetics as well as nutrition and sports and exercise and then minoring in exercise science. Then, you know, like I said, it was a couple years later where I ultimately shifted into into running but they they did kind of happen simultaneously you know I joke that I went to college playing soccer and planning on studying physical therapy and I graduated studying nutrition and running track track history (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, another example of how so often we think we have a plan but really just like you just kind of it's like you're on a on a trail run or a river and you just kind of go wherever the the path or the the water decides to take you
0: (laughs) So, you know, while research has kind of been on a halt during COVID, it's been interesting, though, things that have come to the surface. And we're finally starting to get some attention and focus on science within the female athlete population. So as a female athlete, what has you the most excited right now? Um, I mean, I think it's just the the energy and the conversation that's happening.
2: You know, I think about... You know, I, you know, I specialize in the female athlete and I give, whether it's podcast interviews or presentations or just working one-on-one with female athletes and just the empowerment that I think uh, women who have periods or individuals who have periods, like the, the empowerment that they're beginning to feel because we can understand why we feel the way we do, you know, throughout the month. And just this recognition of so many of the recommendations that are out there, whether it's specific diets or nutrition protocols in and around training, that they're male driven models. And we can now just have this bit of understanding and sense of community around, hey, like this is, this makes sense. Like I now have, I now have answers and there's also something I can do about it. And I think, you know, one of the things I joke about is, you know, feeling like you're not, you know, owned by your hormonal fluctuations in your uterus. And just the ability to understand what's going on in, in your body. And like I said, do something about it is so, so, so empowering. Having answers is is pretty incredible. And so I just think just the, the exponential increase that we've seen in attention around what it means to be a, a woman in sport and what that means for training and nutrition implications and just how we've seen attention, you know, increase with it and you know, conversations on a national and international level with really high-level athletes talking about playing, you know, the Women's World Cup team, for example, you know, how much publicity they, you know, really garnered in terms of their conversation around what they did with the metro cycle and the period. And you see, you know, high-level runners and triathletes and cyclists coming out about their history with amenorrhea and reds. And so I think, just the fact that the conversation is happening is, is really, really cool. And it's just exciting to, exciting to think about where it's going to go over the, over the next couple of years. And, you know, I, I think one of my favorite things is, you know, seeing that the eyes light up when I'm talking to someone or that expression of, Oh my God, it makes sense. Like just, it's, yeah, it's so cool to be able to give somebody that, that semblance of I, like, I understand, I get it. A little
0: bit. So tell me, where do you think that we still have more room for growth when it comes to not only just the science, but translating it into practice? I think it's one thing when we can talk about certain concepts. It's another to actually be able to, to make change.
2: Yeah. Um, I think it's that second point that's so important, you know, where we can talk about it, but how can we, how can we make change? And I do think a lot of it is just going to be continuing to do research studies on women Um, you know, so many of the the recommendations that we do make as sports dietitians are really, they come from a lot of male based models because so many years that's, those were the study subjects. And so, you know, I think it is going to take some time to do a lot of these, Studies on women to determine kind of a female-specific model for sports nutrition recommendations. Whether it's before, during, after, you know, carbohydrate intake. You look at mouth rinsing. You know, so many of these things, supplement use. There's so many topics that, like I said, that we recommend to kind of everyone across the board. But the research has been done on men as well. You know, is is there a difference for women? And so I think that's, you know, it's going to take time, but because the attention is there, you know, I think it's going to, I think it is going to continue to grow. And I think, I think one of the other areas that really, I feel is very much lacking right now is just our knowledge of oral contraceptive pills and particularly like the combined oral, oral contraceptive pill. And, you know, it's so, it's so popular, it's so pervasive, but, and we're just starting to get a bit of, a bit of understanding about truly what it does or doesn't do in someone's body compared to what we thought it might do or didn't do. And, you know, I get questions all the time, you know, when I'm giving presentations or working with athletes on, you know, well, what if I'm on, what if I have an IUD or what if I'm on the pill, you know, how does that change things? And I think that is one of the things that really is still a big question mark. Like I said, we're we're getting some information, but there's yeah I think that's kind of one of the areas that really is going to kind of explode over the next couple years when as we start to learn more and more and more about what what the impact of hormonal contraception is on hormones and overall physiology and how yeah how we can really again like optimize an athlete's performance as well as overall health and just really have a good understanding of what's going on on in their body and pairing that up with this idea of hormonal contraception so I think that's that's probably one of the biggest areas that I feel like a lot of attention needs to go there and we just don't have a ton of answers right now
0: Mm -hmm. I hope too that the more that we talk about this and put it in um you know scientific terms the more it neutralizes what's going on with the body especially Absolutely. through puberty uh, postpartum moms things like that mm-hmm. i think a lot of times when it's not talked about then people think it's just them mm-hmm. yeah. would be helpful again like
1: think about that anything related to reproductive health has been really in a way left out of the research due to yeah. sometimes the, the quote unquote difficulty of using pregnancy with research, right. but yeah, I'm really fascinated by like reproductive health and sport. I'm really excited to see people paying attention to that a little bit more.
2: Yeah. I think one thing that I bring up a lot that I think is really, it's really ironic is that, you know, our, this topic of periods and yeah, reproductive health and, you know, it's been so taboo, it's been pushed under the rug, like nobody talks about it, but the human race couldn't exist if we didn't have periods. Mm-hmm. Like, are the reason that we're able to reproduce and so it seems almost like yeah really ironic that it's such a like awkward and taboo and un- <laughs> topic it's like, yeah we kind of need it <laughs> it's kind of important mm-hmm. so yeah I don't know that's just one thing but early on when I started it, really diving into this topic I was just like this it doesn't make sense I Mm-mm. don't I don't understand why it's so weird to talk about when, like, we all know that it's the reason that, like, our species can go on.
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, it has to – it's all right here. We'll just have to continue (laughs) working on it. Heidi, thanks so much for being one of those people, too. And we like to end every interview of How You Live Out the Fit Philosophy. It sounds like you've been working – really hard this last year of learning some new things about balance performance health and elect and yeah what have you been learning this year and how to take time for self um yeah like i said i think that's been that is still a work in
2: progress Mm -hmm. 100 percent. and i i've been on you know a journey over the past couple years figuring out what that balance looks like and i you know from a very young age i really identified as an athlete and kind of put all my eggs in that basket and it has taken a long time for me to begin to really like unravel that and find balance. And I think that's one of the things where, whether it's, you know, COVID or injuries, you know, they suck, but they have forced me to kind of take pause and slow down and really like figure out where where my like livelihood can come from if I if I can't be an athlete. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So, you know, I do now I I do still like to move every day, but that might mean that might mean a swim, it might mean a run, it might mean a walk. Um I, I mean I love moving my body. I've been, yeah, I've been an athlete my whole life and that's not gonna change. But I now can find so much joy in other things as well. And that could be hanging out with, you know, playing with my dog. Mm -hmm. I try and spend, you know, time every day doing some sort of like meditation or just I have a gratitude journal that I do and just trying to have some time for stillness. Uh, I kind of have a stretching and like yoga practice that I do every morning. And so just really having that that time of stillness and yeah and I think I'm better at work-life balance a bit you know being being self-employed that can be hard Mm -hmm. With COVID you know you're working from home and that that balance can be tricky but you know I've done a good job of really not working on the weekends and on the evenings and you know, really drawing those boundaries has been important and uh, trying to maintain relationships with COVID has also been a challenge, but has been really rewarding. And so that's been a lot of masks, you know, coffee walks with friends. And so, yeah, it's just, I think a big part of it is, yes, still filling kind of that, that athlete's cup, but making sure I have a lot of other cups as well. One analogy I've used is, You know, it being a a giant puzzle instead of, you know, for so many years of my life, I kind of just had a puzzle with one or two pieces. And now, you know, I have a lot lot of pieces in my puzzle and making sure that they all kind of get attention has been really important. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, we continue to give you well wishes for that journey that you've been on. And thanks so much for being on and talking about all the things that we
0: we love to talk about. Yeah. Thanks, Heidi. Yeah. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Bye, Queens. Today's episode is brought to you by yours truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as REDS, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, Queens. For
1: additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, Queens.